Blog Talk Radio. So, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we don't have music. Oh! After that, we'll do our year in review show, which is always fun. Yeah, Seth came in, Sean Palmer, uh, Jake Smiley came in, although when he's whining 98% of the time, it's not quite smiley. He also goes by Gassy McGassy, but, that, but that's probably not appropriate for, the, for everyone else out there. But for now, he's quiet, so I'll take what I can get. Um, yeah, I guess we do have to start, you know, we'll do some college with some ball picks, but we do have to start with uh, the NFL this week. I guess he started, he started in East Rutherford. Um, you know, I have not been a, as big a Giants fan as I, as I am. And if people want to call in and discuss 760-283-0846, and I'm still not convinced on this team, but they did go a long way in, uh, in kind of proving me wrong. It wasn't that they, that they beat Dallas. It was the way they did so. Um, you know, without their best defensive player, Jason Pierre-Paul, to really dominate a Dallas, an 11 and one Dallas team that has been overwhelmed, has pretty much overwhelmed the rest of the conference, to say the least, is impressive. Uh, the defense looks great, looks great. Uh, your boy, your old boy, uh, Damon Harrison, probably best nose tackle in the league. You know, Vernon Jen- Jenkins, all these new guys who came in, really earned, really showed their keep up this weekend, but it still comes down to the fact that even though the defense looks solid, they're still a middle of the road defense for the most part. And the Giants still have no offense. They have no offensive line. Their running game is mediocre and they have one big weapon. So I'm not sure how much of a reprieve it is. It's a team that will make the playoffs at nine and four. They have the second best record in the NFC. 
And it's a very weak conference, to say the least. The, number, the team I think most people thought was the best are Seattle, lost by 28 in Green Bay. Detroit doesn't really – they're 9-4, and four, but they don't scare anybody. Either does Atlanta. How do you see this conference with, with four weeks to go in the season? Well, that's, that's definitely fair. If one thing happened this week is Jerry Reese is going to survive another offseason. Because this week, I think, was a determination as to whether you guys being you guys, not that you play for the Giants, but I consider you part of Giants fandom, um, can hang with the big boys. And you did. And there are no dominant teams in the NFL this year. We've seen that. If there is one, it's unfortunately in Foxborough again. And that may be the dominant team. It may be Kansas City. But this is a crapshoot in the NFL this year. And I don't have a problem with that. Parity is certainly where it's at right now for the NFL. Jerry Reese will survive another year. Ben McAdoo will survive another year, no doubt. Absolutely no doubt after this game. Look, the Giants have a good defense. They they have the weapons to shut down Dallas. They are the perfect matchup for Dallas. Perfect. Are they the perfect matchup for Atlanta? No. They're a horrible matchup for Atlanta, especially when they play, if they play in Atlanta. Are they a good matchup for Seattle? No. A horrible matchup for Seattle. They match up very well against Dallas. And we've seen that in both the losses, uh, both the wins, excuse me, Dallas losses, Giants wins this year, is that they match up very well. And Des Bryant had a critical fumble, but Janoris Jenkins played extremely well. And the additions that they brought forth played well, no doubt. In the backup to JPP, and I can't remember the guy's name, I did. Oh, you know what? I didn't watch the. I didn't watch the game live. Uh, after sitting on my couch for five hours watching fantasy stats pile up, and then watched the Jets win a game they should have lost, and not because they played horribly, just man, can the Jets do anything right? I mean, every fan wanted them to lose, and of course they win. It, it's it's mind-boggling the stupidity. In, on the other part of these Rutherford uh, football teams. But anyway, getting back to what you were saying, I didn't watch the game live, but I did go back and watch it on the NFL Network in the 30-minute little snippets that they have. And the Giants are the kryptonite to the Dallas Cowboys. And they hope to see them in the playoffs because they don't have enough. They can't go, they can't go through another team set. They can't. Well, I mean, with all, for all intents and purposes, the Giants look like with, a, I think, a game-and-a-half lead or a two-game lead in the wild card on Tampa and a two-and-a-half game lead on Washington. Like, it may be off a little bit, but um, you know, they look like they're cemented in the five seed. Dallas is still going to cruise most likely, although they have a tricky game against Tampa this week who's on a five-game winning streak of their own. Most likely, they're gonna they're gonna kind of they're gonna kind of run right roll right through to the number one seed, and you're looking if the Giants can go to an Atlanta or go to a Tampa or go to a Detroit and win, which is certainly feasible. Um, I don't think anyone is overwhelmingly scared of of the Lions, and actually, the Giants and Lions play next week. Um, you know, it's very difficult to beat a team three times in a row, but the Giants have looked very good, and it's a question of. 
you know, Justin Pugh comes back, who's their best offensive lineman outside of Western Richburg. Uh, they, they have some running – they have, have no offensive line right now. And Eric Flowers, I think – I would not be surprised to see if he gets benched. Um, they're in good shape. And if people want to talk about it, as I said before, 760-283-0846. Um, but to me, you know, we're, we're still a pretty long way away from that at this point. We're still, you know, we're still a month, month and a half from really having a discussion about – you know, about playoff seeding. Playoff? Uh, a team that did not... Playoff? We're talking about playoff. Playoff? Talking about playoffs? Playoffs? Anyway. Did we get... Our annual tribute somewhere, to somewhere. Jim Mora. Yeah. Excuse me. A team, a team that had a little bit of a worse week and an embarrassing performance, and this is something that, that we've talked about the last two weeks, the Rams lose... A 42-14 in a game that wasn't even that close. In that, a game that they were down 7 nothing within 30 seconds. An embarrassing, to quote Todd Gurley, uh, their star running back who has been anything but a star this year. Uh, a middle school performance, and pretty much he conceded the fact that they were throwing, that they were going through the motions at this point. 48, 48 hours later, Stan Cranky fires, uh, 24 hours later, excuse me, Stan Cranky fires Jeff Fisher. Um, I don't think it's a huge surprise. Maybe the timing before the end of the season. Um, but for a first year in L.A., the expectation wasn't very high, but there was an expectation that, that, that the team would give, it, would give a bleep. And no point over the last couple of months has it seemed that way. Is a team with talent, not in an overwhelming amount, but you have, you have the best, possibly the best defensive lineman currently playing in football in Aaron Donald. You have Todd Gurley, who can be a stud running back. You have Alec Ogletree. You have the number one pick in the draft, Jared Goff. You know, and, and Jeff Fisher is a coach who, in 22 years, was he, I think he had four winning seasons, something along those lines. I think he broke the record or tied the record of Dan Reeves for most career losses. And this is a team that was going nowhere. So... Yeah. You know, I don't think it's a, it's a shock to anybody. Maybe the timing more than anything else. Well, there's a couple of things that are going on here. First of all, do you fire Jeff Fisher? Jeff Fisher has had a – if you're looking for just wins, Jeff Fisher has had an extremely good reputation of beating the Seattle Seahawks. And this week they played the Seahawks. So timing, I think it was, if it was anything better than still have his job, if it was any close. The problem really isn't Jeff Fisher. And I know, look, you've been beating the drum on Jeff Fisher all all year. And I said to you yesterday, your dream came, one of your dreams came true that Jeff Fisher got fired. You're like, that's not my dream. But you've been beating the drum. I get it. Yeah. But if you're going to clear house, Jeff Fisher isn't the guy. It's Kevin Demoff. It's Les Snead. It's the guys that are making these personnel decisions. Because, yes, you have Aaron Donald. Yes, you have Kenny Britt, who you pulled off the scrap pile. Yes, you have Todd Gurley. Yes, you have Jared Goff, and who knows what Jared Goff is. Since you had how many picks from Robert Griffith III? How many? And you've turned them into nothing. You have turned it is, those they're, they're, into they're, they are the laughing stock of the NFL. For all, 
intents and purposes. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on. Let me let me let me go back. You got one player. I'm sorry, I forgot. Alec Ogletree came out of that. He's your starting middle linebacker. So you got him. But other than that, Isaiah Pid, not on the team. Stedman Bailey, unfortunately, not on the team. Greg Robinson, Robinson, excuse me, the number two pick overall. You know when Todd Gurley had his best game? When Robinson was benched. The most penalties in the NFL in the last two years. And the most holding calls as well. He got benched. Can't run. You can't run. He can't run the offense. And you traded up all these picks to get Jared Goff, who so far, and granted, it's his first couple of games, has looked nothing special. So, I give you that. If you're going to clear house, clear house. Don't just leave it to the coach. The coach, the coach is the well, only is, I, is only as good as the groceries. Wow, you went you you went for the Bill Parcells quote, and I mean the reality is this is I believe this is a team where everyone will be fired at the end of the year, or Demoff, Sneed, all these guys will probably be gone. And the idea, and you look at the names that they're going after right now. They're going supposedly they're going to make a run at Jim Harbaugh. I cannot imagine Harbaugh would take the job, but weirder stuff has happened. They may make a run, ironically, at, speaking of Seattle, at Pete Carroll. You know, a guy who's, although extraordinarily successful in Seattle, you know, had his probably greatest success in the L.A. Coliseum, you know, coaching USC, and did not leave under the best of circumstances. It's, he is, I mean, are they going to go after a retread? A jo- you know, a retread, a Josh McDaniels, a or a new guy like a, to quote our favorite name, a Joe Bob Cooter. I don't know. This is a team that needs a lot. You know, similar to the Buffalo Bills and the you know in the AFC, it just seems like a team that's been treading water for many many years. And Buffalo has at least made some efforts to try and remedy this, bringing in Ryan. You know, t- they have some talent with Watkins and Taylor, and, and their defense is pretty is pretty decent, but. You know, you could pretty much for the last eight to nine years, you could write in the Rams at six and ten or seven and nine. And you know, whether you want to attribute it to Demont to a lack of talent or a lack of coaching, at the end of the day, if you go a decade in this whirlpool, you really there's no reason to there's no reason that any of these people should feel comfortable with their jobs right now. Oh, I no question about it. And the report is that L.A. LA would go after both John Snyder and Pete Carroll as a duo. And that would be tremendous. But I don't think that's going to happen. Do you really – so so we know that Buffalo, Rex Ryan's on shaky ground. We know now that the Rams' job is open – we, we've talked about Todd Bowles and whether he's going to get fired. So there'll be a number of, of jobs open up. In my opinion, there's always one surprise. So you're looking at three to four jobs probably open in the NFL. At least two. I think as many as five are going to be open. Do you consider Josh McDaniels really a retread? I mean, to me, he's not the guy. He's not the Marty Schottenheimer. 
when you talk about a retread to me, you're talking about a guy like Dan Reed. I probably been there. I twenty to I probably should have re, probably should have restated someone who's been there more than who's had already had their first shot. Is kind of where I was okay, going with fair. McDaniel's. And you know McDaniel's, you know, has now been back in New England for three, I guess, three or four years. And he will, you know, he will get another shot, whether it's this year or next year or the year after that. He's still pretty young. He's around, I think he's in his early forties. Um, so no, I'm not not even. Is he, is he in not his thirties? He's still in his thirties. He got the job when he was thirty-two years old. I don't even know what to make out of that. That's just sad to me. <laughs> what have you done with your career, Sean? Oh, you know, yeah, Tim Tebow. So <laughs> there's that. There you go. Uh, well, it's, I mean, it's the like the Lane Kiffin. Josh McDan- yeah, John, Josh McDaniels is going to get whatever Josh – when when Josh McDaniels wants a job, a, a promotion to, to a head coach, he'll get it. I don't think there's anybody more qualified right now out of – out of a head coaching job, so that eliminates the Jim Harbaugh's, the Pete Carroll's. In the coordinator realm, there is nobody more more qualified than Josh McDaniel. Probably here's learned the from that mistake. Hold on. I think he learned from that mistake. I think he is an excellent quarterback coach. I mean, he's done very well. With, he did very well with, uh, with Peyton Manning at the end. Sorry, not Peyton Manning. He did well with, with – um, Tom Brady and the back of quarterbacks such as Matt Castle and whatnot. I think he gets the job if he wants it. The question is, does he want it? Well, I guess my other my question kind of runs more. You know, when I look at the coaches that have, that that coached under Belichick, there's not it hasn't been a ringing endorsement of. It's not exactly a ringing endorsement. The assistant coaches that have left and gone on to to other jobs, either professional or, or highly rated college. Charlie Weiss went to Notre Dame, but ended up under, with an under 500 record. Romeo Cromel, I mean, coached for about three, you know, had a had a record of I think somewhere about 35 percent winning percentage. Eric Mangini, you know, busted with the Jets for them and the Browns for the most part. Noel Bryan is. Kind of done. It did a nice job for a year or two in, in Penn State after the scandal down there with Sandusky, but it hasn't. Done, he hasn't exactly set the world on fire in Houston. You know, I'm kind of well, wondering how excited I really would be. This is not. It's not like this is a one or two coach trend. You know, this is. It has not been a great. It, ha, it just hasn't been. It hasn't been a fantastic run. Uh, you know, for the talent, the coaching. Not the, yeah, not to play the contrarian, but that's what I'm going to do right here. What do you consider? No, you. What do you consider success in the NFL? Above mediocrity, I'm not comparing so him to you, a Bill Belichick. No, no, no. I'm saying if you have five years in the NFL and you're a coach, and you go to one championship game. And for the and you and you're over 500 for the other years. Say you finish five years with a 500 record, and you go to one championship game. Are you a successful coach? Yeah, relatively so. 
say that Eric Mangini is a successful coach. Bill O'Brien hasn't been there five years. So you can't give him that yet. And he's been over 500. So, Cornell, do you really view Romeo Cornell as Bill Belichick's assistant or Bill Parcells? Or you can look at him as Parcells as well. Well, okay, let's take a step back here. Does anyone look at Eric Mangini as a as a successful head coach? If he was such a successful head coach, I would think over the last three or four years his name would have been mentioned again. I mean, he doesn't. He hasn't even. He went TSPN. I I don't even know where he is right now. So I mean, if if you were considered a successful. You, he would at least be a candidate for some of these. And he may be, but he's certainly not in the public eye whatsoever. It hasn't been mentioned publicly for any of these jobs over the last couple right, of years. But I don't, right, but I don't think that's fair. Hold on. Because you are – I don't take Eric Mangini as the Jets coach where he doesn't get the, the uh, play. Name me a Browns coach that has gotten play in the last 15 years. Any Browns. Well, isn't the job. I agree. They have been awful. And that's why right. every but two it, years they keep they the keep re- recycling. Right, but is it the coaching? But, to me, it's not the coaching with the Browns. Well, if it's not the coach, uh, No, of course it's not the coaching. It's the talent. The talent is, is terrible, and the, the okay. whole organization has been in flux forever. But here's the thing. If you're not going to blame Mangini at all, or Cornell at all. And you can say Cornell was, you know, he was an assistant coach for, for, uh, for the Patriots four or five years, I think. Um, sure. Yeah. Well, he had one year actually with the Browns where he, he was, he was pretty solid, but if you're not going to give them, you can, you can't also, you can, you can say that they're not successes, but you certainly can't ruin them as anything more than that. I mean, they haven't been, no. they haven't, when was the last time you heard of Cornell or Bill, you know, Bill O'Brien, has been on the hot seat already three seasons in. Weiss has been, other than his first two years in, at Notre Dame, has been a disaster. So, I mean, no, you know, I, you, you have, they're not I, being brought up in conversations for coaching either, which, right, would attri- thinking, which we would think would attribute it that if it's, if it's not saying it's them per se, but they're not also getting accolades for what they did at these places either. Sure. But I'm taking, I'm taking stock with Eric Mancini more than anybody else. So Eric Mangini was a successful coach with the Jets and an awful coach with the Browns. Awful. But everybody else was too. And that's the only that's the only place I'm going with it. Okay? Rob Chazowski, who was who was a coach with the Browns, is finally coming back to the to the talks amongst coaches. It's only taken him five, six years to do that. What I'm saying is when you don't get good talent, and that's a sign of taking the wrong job perhaps, and you get fired two years after, tell me another coach that two years after was mentioned in those circles. Because even Josh McDaniel had to go recycle his image, both with the Rams and then with the Patriots. I'm not saying it's it's not in part the coach's fault. But when you go to the Browns, you're going to the – we call the Raiders the black hole. 
I'm not sure there's any more of a black hole than going to the Browns. So Perfectly fair. So, okay, anyway, moving on. So, what other positions, what other teams do you think we're looking at head coaching vacancies? And then we'll go talk about Lane Kiffin, who may be the devil himself. Nah. Well, I didn't hear – I kind of faded out a little bit on who you had said. Um, I'm assuming you're thinking Bowles is safe yeah. at this point. Yes. Okay. Uh, Rex Ryan is most likely gone in New, in, in, in New England, in, uh, Buffalo. Um, you know, a team that has not un- particularly underachieved under him. It just seems that his – you know, the expectation that he brought – to the job just hasn't hit. And, you know, they were mediocre last year. Their defense has actually taken a step back under Ryan, which is obviously his specialty. Um, they've had some, you know, Watkins, Sammy Watkins has been hurt. LaShawn McCoy has kind of re emerged, you know, rebuilt his career up, up in Buffalo after a bad year or so down in Philly. But it looks like Ryan is gone. Um, I don't think anyone in the AFC North is going anywhere. I can't imagine Harbaugh gets fired in, in Baltimore. Marvin Lewis is a 50-50 proposition. He's not a 50-50. He's probably a 30-70 proposition. Um, Gus Bradley's gone in Jacksonville, so that's two. I wouldn't be surprised if either Pagano or O'Brien is fired. Well, the problem is, well, I know. They just resigned him to a four-year contract. I'm abundantly aware of this. But that team is going absolutely nowhere and is wasting Andrew Luck's prime. Bill O'Brien, tell me, how do you how do you pay a guy seventy two million dollars that you never interview? And again, that's the GM as much as O'Brien. But that team is going nowhere. I don't care if they win the division or not. I think Mike McCoy, San Diego has had one of the best five and eight seasons I can remember. I don't think McCoy is going anywhere. Um, John Fox may be in trouble. But that team has just no talent. Uh, that's probably about it. So but here's you know, the thing: you just you just mentioned that John Fox has no talent. Aside from maybe four players, including Andrew Luck, how much real talent do the Colts have? Because they have no offensive line talent. So not a hell of a lot, but they, they, this is also, but this is also a team that made, this is also a team that made the AFC title game two years ago. Did all the talent. Now, again, I'm trying to think I'm not an expert on the Colts defense because they're just not, I mean, Robert Mathis has to be close to 83 years old at this point, but you look at the team, they have wide receiver talent with Moncrief, Dorsett, Dorsett and Hilton. Frank Gore just runs yep. for a thousand yards every year. Yep. Um, you know, they have Dwayne Allen. They have, so they have some offensive talent. I don't – I admittedly am not a, an expert on their offensive line. But I know it's not, I know it's not a strength by any stretch. Um, you know, their defense is mediocre. Uh, but they're a team – you know, him and Gregson, you know, supposedly hate each other then made up in order to get – each get four corresponding four-year contracts from – um, from Jim Irsay, and now they're right back into mediocrity. You know, when you look at that that division, this is an almost an all-time bad division right now. 
Um, you, you're probably you're going to have you have three teams at set. You know, no team with more than seven wins. You have two teams at seven and six, one at six and seven in Jacksonville, which is, was my pick, unfortunately, to win the division, fading in two at eleven. And Bradley will be back in the defensive coordinatorship where it appears that he belongs um, quite soon. But these teams, Tennessee is the only team with any light at the end of the tunnel. Houston's going nowhere. Indy's going nowhere. Tennessee, under a pick, which I think everybody disputed bringing back Mike Malarkey as their head coach, has developed an identity, which has just been shocking, behind the running backs, behind a good offensive line, and beyond uh, Mariota really becoming you know, a prominent NFL quarterback. Well, we've, we've talked about this before, and we're, we're going to finish with the NFL. We spent the half the show on it. But the fact is, the run, how do you win in the NFL? With good line play. That's how you win. You're never going to win in the NFL without a good offensive play. It just doesn't happen. And the Titans have the best offensive line in the AFC, to me anyway. So that's how they win. Not hard. Not hard to understand that. So, All right, so jumping off the NFL and you know, going going to the going to the college ranks, mentioned right off the top. I'll talk a little bit of Heisman. It was, you know, we talked last week that even though none of us, Lamar, Lamar Jackson's team kind of fell apart in the last couple of weeks, there didn't really seem to be much controversy about who was going to win the Heisman, and that certainly came to fruition. I, I think he ended up with the sixth most votes in Heisman history winning pretty easily over Deshaun Watson. And then everyone else was pretty far back. No surprise on your end? No, absolutely not. I mean, we, we talked about this last week. He, he was easily the best player to me throughout the entire year. If you want to take the last four weeks, you could make a case for Deshaun Watson. But other than that, Lamar, John, Lamar Jackson was the best player. And, and I saw it in the first in, like, game against Syracuse where he put up, I think, five or six touchdowns. He was incredible. And to me, the Heisman is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And he played, he played the best of any player over the course of the marathon. Well, before we get on to the bowl games, one interesting coaching uh, move. Today, Lane Kiffin, the somewhat embattled, say the least, Head yep. coach, uh, uh, currently a current assistant coach of, of Alabama, takes the head coaching job down the street from where my parents live down in Boca, down in Florida Atlantic, and I drive past the campus every time I go to visit them. This is a guy who was the coach at USC, the coach at Tennessee, the coach of the Raiders, and the assistant coach of the best college football dynasty you know, we've ever seen. And he couldn't get a job better than Florida Atlantic? And he's taking half a million dollars less per year to take this job. Over under, does is he stay more than two years? No. No way. No. That, Not at all. No elaboration. <laughs> no. I, look, he's going to use it as a stepping stone. I so, guess my uh, question I, is. No. Well, here's my thought, though. 
I know he wants to use it as a stepping stone. It's, it's obvious to everyone, to any anyone who's followed college football. It's obvious. It's a pretty obvious comment. But this is a guy who was passed up not only by Power Five conference jobs, but for higher level non-Power Five conference jobs, Houston, Cincinnati. Um, is there a chance that he he's going to need more than two years to rebuild his image? He because might. Is it yeah, you know, you know he, the, he he was a wonder kid who didn't end up being too wonderful. And I'm parking. It, I'm parking. It seems that a lot of the athletic directors, you know, have a longer memory than we would have thought in regards to Kiffin. Well, look, Kiffin is not well liked. It's a while for anybody to take a chance on. And I don't think that's all that surprising, quite frankly. So here we are. Here we are in 2016 at the end, and Lane Kiffin may be getting, I mean, may be getting the shot that he needs to rehash his image. And I'm not sure all he has to do to me that team, I believe, had three wins this year, maybe four. All I don't think they even had that much. Get, all he has to do is get the seven wins, make a bowl game. If he makes a bowl game, he's out of it. Do you think it's any more than that? Do you think he has to get any further than a bowl game? Yeah, I think it's going to take. I think it's going to take more than a year. I really do. Um, no, no, no. I'm not saying I, I, I'm not saying it won't take more than a year. I'm saying that he needs to get to a bowl game. If he gets to a bowl game, a year, two years, five years, he's gone. Depends. I, I don't think a seven and six bowl game may very well do it. Um, so, huh, something just something just went wrong with the computer. I'm hoping you're still online, and if we're not, I apologize. Let me go try and go back. Well, in. we're still online because um, I can hear you. We're absolutely still online because I can hear you. Okay. Um, oh, Yankee. Two hours ago, a Yankee prospect was actually shot in Venezuela. Um, he okay, was well, what? Discussion for another day. Alexander, Alexander Figueredo missed a 2016 as he was on the suspended list. Was a member of the Yanks Dominican Summer League team. Went 5-0 and with a 1.9 ERA. And unfortunately, as soon as he was killed, he was gunned down at a party and died from gunshot this morning or last night. Um, awesome. Not really sure where to even really go with that. Uh, Condolences to do you the want family. To talk that's where you go with that. That's about all you can really say. Um, want to talk a little bit of, as we said, the Bulls are coming up. We always The Bulls are always fun. And, you know, of course, they're ludicrous because there's there's 40 bowls teams I believe that did not make the that did not that didn't hit five that didn't hit 500 this year and are still going to are still going to bowl games. So let's run. We're not going to run through these for picks per se. We'll, we'll get to we'll get to some of those as we, as we go on. More of a question of can we let's make fun of them or is there any chance in hell that we're going to be watching them? 
Okay. So I will I will I will start with I will start with the obvious one, the Air Force Reserve Celebration Bowl. When is it? It's important to know when December are. I have, my apologies. It is on Saturday at 12 p.m. North Carolina Central versus Grambling. Okay. I think well, I'll pass. Syracuse plays Syracuse plays Georgetown at noon. I have lunch plans at noon, so there is no shot of me turning that game on, and I mean absolutely none. Okay, I may have a baby. I may have my parents coming to babysit, and if I'm gonna watch skip to watch football on on Saturday, it's not gonna be for that, nor will it be for the two o'clock game. New Mexico versus University of Texas San Antonio in the Gildan New Mexico Bowl. Gildan New Mexico. So chances are, even though it's in New Mexico, my mother will not be at that bowl, nor will I. And neither one of us will be watching it. 3.30, this is actually a pretty interesting game. Houston-San Diego State. Houston coached, well, now well, Major Applewhite taking over for Tom Herman, who, of course, left for Texas. This is a team that beat Louisville this year, um, beat Oklahoma this year, had a couple of weird losses, which pushed them back a bit. And they play against San Diego State, who had the – leading rusher in the country in Denell Pumphrey. Probably not a game, the Las Vegas Bowl, probably not a game that anyone in Las Vegas is going to go to and probably not a game that I will be sitting home watching. But if I'm crossing, if I'm, to quote you from last night, if I'm changing the channels and it's on for, I may watch it for a few minutes. Yes, um, assuming 3.30 agree. for Maybe. you, probably not. Well, I mean, the only reason I would watch that game is because I'd want to see how Houston is running without Tom Herman. So that would be the only interesting part of the entire game for me. And the fact that they are playing in such a crap bowl after having such a good season for them. And this is an absolute crap bowl. All right, going forward here. We got next. We have the Raycom Media Camellia Bowl. Appalachian State versus Toledo. Wait, where is it? The Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama. Whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. Where was the Appalachian State Bowl? Where actually is it? It's in Montgomery, Alabama. Oh, it's in Montgomery, Alabama. Okay. I will, and when is it? 5.30 on Saturday. That's a possibility. And the only reason it may be is because I have dinner plans with a friend that likes college football. So it's possible that we go to a bar. And I always like watching Appalachian State. I think after they beat Michigan, I just tend to watch them. So that's definitely a possibility on the list. Okay, let's keep rolling here. The Auto Nation Cure Bowl, UCF, Center, Central Florida versus Arkansas State. No chance. Don't even know what it is, but no chance. No interest in that game. Although USF, I like USF, the name UCF had a very good year. They did under Scott Frost, the the the, the ex assistant in Oregon, um, and the, and the head and the, and the uh, quarterback from Nebraska, and the ex Jet, and the ex Jet. He got he got drafted as a safety by the Jets. I remember. Yes, the RNL Carriers. <laughs> the R&L Carriers New Orleans Bowl. 
Okay. What uh, is it? Southern Mississippi, Southern Mississippi versus Louisiana Lafayette at 9 p.m. on a Saturday night. Okay, the people. Raging Cajuns. Unless you, the Raging unless Cajuns. you went to, unless you went to Southern Mississippi, or Louisiana Lafayette, if you watch this game, you need help. There's no other. And way ladies and gentlemen, that is not Mrs. Th- Mrs. Cayman's alma mater. That is Lafayette <laughs> College. She did not go to, because, in my infinite wisdom, I almost bought her. A Louisiana Lafayette shirt for Hanukkah this year until I realized that's the Raging Cajuns and that's in New Orleans or Lafayette, Louisiana. So, no, Carly, you didn't get anything from there. Don't worry, she's not. Although that would have been incredibly funny. It would have been very funny. Miami Beach Bowl, Central Michigan versus Tulsa on Sunday, on Monday at 2 30 p.m. in Marlins Park. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so am I. <laughs> December 20th, the Boca Raton Bowl. My parents can go down and visit and go see Memphis versus Western Kentucky. I was going to say, is this, like wheel, is this like wheelchair basketball? They all, play, yeah, might they as well. all have to do it in walkers? It will, it, it will have the oldest attendance uh, of any of the Where? bowl games. You know, Steph, your parents live in Boca or sometimes – reside in Boca. They don't live there. Where is there a stadium in Boca? Oh, it's like a mile from where from my parents' retirement community. I know exactly where it is. It's at the Florida Atlantic University Stadium, right, where Lane Kiffin oh, okay. is going to be. When they rename it okay, Kiffin okay. Stadium in three years. Uh, the, here <laughs> we go. The San Diego County... There you go. San Diego, San Diego County Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl. BYU versus Wyoming. Okay, um, so to not. me, BYU always plays in this Always bowl. fun. Yeah, they, or they the always holiday play bowl. In this That's bowl. the other option. What's that? Or the holiday bowl. Or the humanitarian bowl. So that's the bowl. other one they play. Yeah. Or some obscure other bowl that nobody can ever remember. All right, we're rolling here. So now we're on to December 22nd, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Idaho versus Colorado State. There is oh, this is the Thursday night. I will I, I will be at a bar. I will be at a holiday party at a bar. So there's a good chance it will be on. There's just a good chance, better chance I won't be watching it. Wait, this is next Thursday or this Thursday? Next Thursday. So we're already talking about bowls are after next week's show. Why would we do that? I will because I just because it's the first one that's hit that. I will stop here. Okay. Because next week we the have chances of, the chances of me watching that bowl instead of the NFL, which is on at the exact same time, are zero. Well, let's be fair here, though. Let's see what the I'm going to look quickly to see what the NFL Thursday night game is for it's, week 15. It's, it's a late, thir- you know, it's a late Thursday night in in the season. It's got to be a pretty good matchup. This week is the Seattle Rams versus Bay. the Seahawks. No, that's this week. Oh, actually, no, that's this week. I'm sorry. Let me go to the next one. Um, that's right, because that was the whole argument. Let's see what we got here. Oh, it is a good game. Giants, yeah. field, Giants Eagles. There you go. I'll be watching that. Even though we have absolutely I, nobody in the Seven Show and Sports Radio Fantasy in either the Giants or the Eagles. 
And but, okay, let me so just, yeah, I, I will be watching that as well. And it, we should what, be giving a shout out. You know, you wanted to say it. Please talk about your, your new your new Lord and Savior, Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> Look, ladies and gentlemen, Le'Veon Bell is the new fantasy god. It's just that simple. The man put up 55 points. 55 points. Do you know how often that happens? I don't think it's ever happened, at least in any of my teams. The closest that came was the first year I ever did fantasy football, and Doug Flutie put up a 52 spot in the week 17. Now, why does that bother me? Because the guy picked him up off waivers that day. Grr. Anyway, yes, my new fantasy god is Le'Veon Bell. Oh, by the way, that cost me the championship. Yeah, I had, the, I had the same Bell. problem a couple years ago. A guy who did catch that, he perpetually is my, the bane of my fantasy existence, Drew Brees, in, in a semifinal, got, uh, six touchdowns and, with, against the best team I ever had. And I'm still bitter to this very day, other than our uh, last two years of our team. Uh, both of my teams, uh, my team with Sean and in my other league, have moved on to the semis, thanks to Le'Veon Bell. Pretty easy, pretty easy running, to say the least. Um, let's go Look, talk Seth, a little bit of baseball. Hold on, hold on. I'm, hold on. I must praise Le'Veon Bell one more time. When you score more as one player than the other team combined, you are a fantasy god, and I am winning. I am winning hundred and What's going on? Where have you been? You're late. No, I don't want to hear. Look, your job was That was not the audio. That was not the audio clip I was hoping for. Okay. Anyway, when 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 you score 137 points compared to the opponent's 42. And you have Le'Veon Bell putting up 55, you are a fantasy god. So I was going to wait till the last five minutes to get on my hands and knees and thank Le'Veon Bell, but I will leave it to now. So, if there are any women who you. want to see Sean on his hands and knees, please feel free to reach out at Look, look, that's another discussion for another time, my friend. So we won't go there. Anyway. Or I will give out his cell phone number if, if, if asked. You will not. You will not. You will not. Anyway. So baseball. So the NL West has decided to open the coffers this year. So between the four teams, they have given out $80 million to Camley Jansen. Sorry, $90 million, $80 million to Canley. No, it's $80 million. $80 million. Approximately $80 million for Justin Turner. The Giants have given out approximately $60 million for Mark Melanson. And they just keep going. Oh, and I'm sorry, the $48 million that the Dodgers gave out for Rich Hill, who has never lasted an entire year. And then Ian Desmond gets $70 million to play first base, a position he has never played in Colorado. I have to tell you, I am very excited to see the Rockies 
because the Rockies are going to remind you very much of those Rockies with Dante Pichette and Alex Galarraga, Alex, Andres Galarraga and Larry Walker. They are going to bang the crap out of the ball and win a lot of games 12 to 10 because they have no pitching. But it'll be fun to watch. Meanwhile, the rest of the league has basically shut their coffers, even the Yankees, who only saw Geraldo Chapman, and you as a Yankee fan, do you like this signing? Granted, it didn't cost you a draft pick, but you're giving him an out clause three years into the contract, which I only learned about today. Not particularly. Um, but it, it kind of goes back to I'm always weary to give any pitcher five years, especially a guy who, for all intents and purposes, really has one pitch and is throwing it as fast as he can. Um, the, I'm trying to get beyond the point of caring about the money. Do I think he's worth the money? Probably not. But they're the Yankees. They're going to spend it somewhere. Yeah, this is not a team that's going to rebuild and go to the bottom third of of, of, of salary. You know, I, I don't see any reason to spend eighty five million dollars a five year a five year contract to a reliever. Um, I would have. I probably now again the draft pick plays a part in that. I understand. I probably would have preferred Jensen. Um, but at the end of the day. I have to kind of look at it like as, as if, well, the money doesn't matter. And we're getting a top three reliever. To me, was that a big priority? No, not really. But they're the Giants. They're the Yankees. It's just how it plays out. Um, I think the one thing we talked about a brief, I think we talked about it briefly last week. Um, we did talk about it because it happened actually on, on last, right before last Tuesday's show, is how much the Red Sox helped themselves uh, bringing in Chris Sale. You know, that to me is something of a game changer. I'm not sure Chapman is. And not for a five, not for a team that will struggle, I think, to go 500 this year. Yeah. The cl- look, the closer for the Yankees, oh, and he got a full no trade clause. The, cl- the closer for the Yankees is um, a luxury, if you will. Closers in general are luxuries, right? You need over the course of time, I believe before this year, there had been five contracts of fifty million or more given to relievers. Ever. Such luminaries as BJ Ryan got one of those, who blew out his elbow <laughs> a year into the contract. There are no good five-year reliever contracts. Relievers just come and go. So I think giving five years to a closer, especially one with a no-trade clause and an opt-out, I think it's lunacy. But I do understand your point about the money, and, I, and I'd like to touch upon that for a second. My brother Jay, he's a baseball fan. He's a basketball He's not really a basketball fan, but a football fan and a hockey fan. And whenever I bring up the fact that you paid X player X amount of money. He looks at me and he goes, is it your money? Why should I care about the money that's being spent? It's not my money. 
And then I asked him the, the question. I said, do you care that the prices are going up because the salaries are going up? And his response, and he's right, is wouldn't they go up anyway? 100% correct. Well, your your brother's never been known for his tact. So <laughs> he's never been wrong. My brother's never been wrong. He'll tell you that. So Well, I'm pretty sure too I'm pretty sure none of the none of the Palmer brothers have ever been wrong. So Oh, I, oh I, that, that's that's really bad. Come on now. That that's not fair. That is true. You have I, I have proven you many wrong many times on this show before. And I have admitted to being such. So there anyway. you go. We have about six minutes left, so why don't you start her off? Oh, before we before we even get, we have a little bit. I think we have a little bit more than that. We got about seven or eight. Um, did you read about this Wake Forest, this this, this controversy going on down in Wake Forest? Yeah, we're supposedly the announcer, grad assistant slash assistant coach. Yeah, absolutely. That that tried to give away the playbook. I found it actually quite amusing and quite sick. All at the same time. Yeah. I find it a little bit, I mean, I find it very sad. Because first of all, this is the second time that I've heard this happening. One was uh, in Alabama, Gene Jokes, who was a player there in the 80s. There was some similar controversy. But I mean, but the question is, he gave, supposedly he gave the plays to Louisville. In what world does Louisville need Wake Forest's plays to beat Wake Forest? Oh, no. Seth, the, the report was he had offered it to many teams. Not just Wake Forest. Maybe he just left it on the on the ground at Lake, Wake Forest, but he offered There are emails going back and forth between him and many teams with an offer, not necessarily an acceptance. How, how, much, would it, how much would it take how much would it take for you to for you to do that for Syracuse for, for Syracuse football team for the football team you got me well thinking. you're not going to have access to the basketball team. because it's bad how much would it take for you to have access to for you to how much would it take for me for me to go against my team and give up the plays yeah you you you're you're talking a million dollars easy it, it it would be very, I would feel dirty. I I would feel dirty, uh, and I think that that's the hardest thing. And the thing about him is that he feels like he got gypped out of a job, so he has some anger. So maybe that has something to do with it. But for me to go against my alma mater like that, it it would take a lot. How, how much would it take you? I'm sure it would take you similar similar amounts of money. Say about $75 and a six-pack of good beer. Oh, come on. <laughs> you know you wouldn't do this for that. <laughs> I have no idea what it would cost. I'll be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah it would cost, I mean, I, I think you would feel the same way. You'd feel dirty. And I don't so. see any... Yeah, I mean... I, 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 for one, would never be able to go to a Syracuse game again without feeling poor, feeling bad about it. So, no, I don't think you could pay me enough to do it. Anyway, 
Okay, we're back to five minutes now. So go ahead. What you got? Well, what you bring? What do I got? Here? Not a heck of a lot. Uh, I think it's a, a shout out to uh, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, for winning the, the Ballon d'Or, which is the the, the, football, the annual soccer award for the best play, best men's player. What's so insane is the only, there's only been two players who've ever won it. Um, when, once, the, once the awards were merged, and I'm sure even you, as a not a huge soccer fan, can name the two people who have won it. Let me guess: Ronaldo and, and Messi. There you go. Yeah. Um, in in the in the, I'm laughing. I'm just kind of looking at. So they merged, I guess, the awards in 2010. Not only have Messi and Ronaldo won every award. Of the se- of the seven years, in six of them they got the second place. The only time they didn't was in the initial year, when I think Ronaldo got injured and Spain won the World Cup, and uh, two two other players two players from Spain and from Barcelona, who ironically had the same team as Lionel Messi, got second and third respectively. You talk about domination of a sport when there's only two people. <laughs> that win the MVP or whatever you want to call it for the last seven years. And I think in general, they've won at the last nine. I just think they just combined the awards prior to that. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's hysterical. So anyway, congrats to him. You have, we got about a, we got about a minute and a half. So you, on to you. So Ronda Rousey's coming back, huh? On December 30th. Yep. Interesting. I mean, will will MMA return to the glory? And it was. It, it 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 had a much, in my opinion, a much bigger following when Ronda Rousey was involved than when she wasn't. And the question that I have is simple: Will the sport go back to where it was before she left? I think it will be very interesting to see. The the amount of coverage and the amount of people that tune in for that fight, because I didn't even know what was happening until I walked past the bar and saw the advertising. And if that's the case, how many other people don't know what's happening? So interesting stuff that will happen at the end of 2016. Do you believe that people are going to tune in and mass for this? The simple yes or no, really. Yes. And on that note, for Sean Palmer, this is Seth Kamins and there Jake, the crying man, Kamins. Uh, <laughs> Seth and Sean Sports Radio, Bog Talk Radio, back, uh, off for Back Sports page, which is back up and apparently better than ever. Who knew? Talk to you guys next week. Thank Have you. a good one. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Right.